This is Eric Romoff. You can catch me on Twitter at FantasyNav, and you're watching the Dynasty Hot Seat. Yes, hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Dynasty Hot Seat, the only Dynasty show that is a certified inferno. And today, next to me here, we've got Eric Romoff from Fantasy Nav on Twitter. You find him at Fantasy Nav. And, you know, Eric is doing loads and loads and loads of things. You know, he's contributing at over at drroto.com on Twitter. You can find him over at the Going For Two team as well over on Twitter. And he's got... A little bit of a cool announcement to make about a little bit of charity work that you're doing, Eric, which is always great to hear on the show. So welcome. Thanks for coming on. And and how are you doing? I'm I'm doing well. And uh, I, I have to say, I feel like I've got a bit of a home court advantage here. I'm in, uh, I'm in from Texas, and it is literally hotter than the surface of the sun here just about <laughs> every day of the year. So yeah. this inferno feels feels nice and comfortable, feels like home. Nice. That is good to hear. So, not not very many people are so comfortable and see a lot of people from the UK in the show. Though we're not used to stuff like that. Like anything after thirty degrees, um, yeah, we're we're not comfortable at all. So, yeah, it's good to see that we've got a, a native to the inferno coming on the show. Yeah, yeah, that is that is a walk in the park, and absolutely excited to be here. This is one of my favorite shows. So, uh, glad glad that you can make some room for me to join. Awesome. Thank you so much, and Eric. Just um. Obviously, we talked a little bit pre-show about you doing you doing some stuff for your your charity tournament. Do you want to tell the folks listening about that? Yeah. Um, so a few years back, the 2020 season, I co-founded a charity league, Pros with Joes. So we're heading into our third year, and right now is our big fundraising push. Um, those who aren't familiar with it can check it out on Twitter at Pros with Joes, or go to our website proswithjoes.com. Uh, the short version of the story is kind of impossible to tell, but the shortest version that I can tell is essentially it's an experts league. It's a league of 56 fantasy uh, experts from across the industry, literally just about every platform, website, radio station, uh, TV station that you can imagine has someone playing and representing. Um, the thing that's cool. different about our league is that as opposed to pitting players against those industry experts, we actually pair them up with those experts. So every one of our 56 teams is an industry expert and a co-manager who donated to that industry expert's charity of choice. So we're raising nice. money for, I think it's 48 different charities. We have some double ups this year, um, ranging from cancer research, children's hospitals, uh, just about every variety and version of pet adoption services out there and yeah. much, much more literally every cause under the sun. So uh, it ends up being a really cool experience overall, right? You get to co-manage alongside the likes of Adam Rank or Stefania Bell, Howard Bender, uh, Bob Harris. I mean, the list just goes on and on, right? So Eric Roboff. really cool experience. I'm actually, I, I, uh, I, I guess I'm, I'm somewhat of a pro, but I don't fancy myself that much of a pro. So I, I stay behind the scenes and do all the button clicking. Um, but happy to, happy to have our full stable of pros uh, again, 56 in year three. Wow. 
just now we broke the uh, the ten thousand dollar mark for money that we raised this preseason. Wow! Congratulations. So doing a uh, doing a lot of good work, and the window is still open. We're still raising through September first. So proswithjoes.com at proswithjoes on Twitter. Um, there on our website, you can see all 56 of our pros. You can see all of the charities that they are playing for. Um, get over there and get involved, right? Yeah. Give a little, give a lot, whatever you can spare. You probably won't miss it and you'll feel pretty good about yourself for doing it. And maybe yeah. you'll get lucky and win your way into the league. So the old win, win, nice. win. That sounds brilliant. You know, not only, you know, charity leagues, which are always amazing, but like a really unique, unique take as well. I think that's really, really cool idea. And obviously, you know, raising over, over $10,000, that is, you know, absolutely amazing. So, so congratulations to you and, and to everyone else behind that league. That is a great cause. And anyone listening, go over and go over and check out and, and see what you can do. Um, but that is brilliant. Also, Eric, I'm sorry, I completely forgot to mention as well. You're also doing stuff for, you know, at Green Screens as well, which get over to their YouTube channel as well. Give them a sub subscribe. They do lots of great stuff over there. So make sure you're checking out the Green Screens team as well. So here we go. Inferno means nothing to Eric. So we're going to ease <laughs> him in to start with anyway. We're just going to go into segment number one, which is the art of war, which is just some hints and tips, Eric, that you've got for, for Dynasty players listening um, wherever they are. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess I'll, I'll preface this by saying uh, a couple of things. The dynasty format is uh, the newest format in my, in my arsenal. I've been playing dynasty mm -hmm. for about four years now. I've had some like kind of deeper bench keepers where you keep seven or 10 or as many as you like at whatever rate. Um, but I am relatively speaking, new to these dynasty waters um if you're tuning in on youtube and you want to show me some, some some support hit that like button as i as i get myself into the inferno and i am eyeing that hall of fame we are on yes. a specific mission here um so i'll i'll say that but um the the first kind of point that comes to mind for me as i've gotten acclimated to this game over the last four or five seasons is there's kind of a trope around the dynasty game to do with the idea of a three-year window. Every time that I hear mm. someone talking about Dynasty, it's always, yeah, you have to keep this three-year window in mind. <clears throat> and I feel like the way that I originally interpreted this and the way that it's largely interpreted when people say it is that it means that you need to be setting yourself up so that in three years' time, you can have a competitive team. And I think that's absolutely horseshit. The way that I evaluate my Dynasty <laughs> teams is I look at them and I say, is this team currently in a window where it can be competitive for a title for the next mm -hmm. three years? What needs to happen for this team to be in a three-year window of being competitive? So I, I just, again, as I'm kind of getting acclimated to this game, it's, it's been a few years, so maybe I can't play the rookie card anymore. But it just it seems like people kind of hang on to this three-year window concept, and they're just always hanging on to it. They're always three years away, right? So like the can just keeps getting yeah. kicked down the road. And they never really make that that paradigm shift where they're really making a push to be competitive in the immediate term. That's that's the first thing that that comes to mind. I don't know if that's something yeah. that we want to kind of talk through here or just kind of leave yeah, it out no, in the wind. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I think I think you're, you're just right. Like you're you're not wanting to. Well, generally, what I what I think whenever I'm playing dynasty, I either want to come first in my league or I want to come last. And nothing really in between. 
I want to know a team I can definitely win this with this year right now, or I'm going right. Let me get as many assets as I can as I can possibly get. And you know, with with the way that these rookies have been playing, like you don't need three years to build a team. Like if you look at a team based off just like rookies from last year and uh, players from the class before that, the um, the players that you could have in your team, like you could have what. From two years ago, you could have Joe Burrow, you could have Jamar Chase, you could have Justin Jefferson, you could have, you know, all of these amazing players like Kyle Pitts. You could have a win now team if you blow up your team and draft properly. It doesn't need to take three years to build to build a win now team. It could be just a smart drafting decision. So I think you're either wanting to be win it all this year or blow the whole thing up and try again. And hopefully it doesn't take three years, because you're right. It's a lot of times you can end up just kicking the can down the road again and you're just stuck in the middle, which is not anywhere you want to be. Yeah, it's the the thing that that I've learned in playing this game is that there's so much variance week over week and year over year that it's really hard to forecast accurately yeah. that far out, right? Yeah. Um, so it's it's more so kind of the context by which I evaluate my team, right? And like I mentioned before, if I have a competitive team, the first question is, is this team going to compete for three years? I mean, even to say you have a league winner, I think is kind of a farce, right? Like so many things have to break right in order for you yeah. to say, I have the winning team before you actually yeah. get through the championship game. Um, yeah. But if I don't have that competitive team, it's specifically a series of questions of like, do I have an opportunity to get there in the immediate term? And if I do yeah. not, then I'm right there with you, right? Like I need to look at a different three-year window because this is not yeah. one that I'm currently in. Yeah. No, I love that for for a first tip, Eric. And you got any more more tips for us? I do. Uh, you actually led into this one perfectly and it is yeah. it is a fundamental tip. Um, so I, I won't belabor the point, but you, you have to be able to take an objective look at your team and give an honest yeah. evaluation of where you are. Right. Yeah. Um, it's it's hard to do, especially in the dynasty game. Right. These are pieces that you have cultivated and nurtured and raised from wee little rookies in the league. <laughs> so it's kind of hard. It's hard to look at them and say that your baby's ugly. But sometimes your baby's ugly, and you have to be okay with that. Um, yeah. So you know, it it kind of uh, doubles back to the point that you were making. But I do think that if if you're not saying that, if you're not hearing that said frequently enough. It, it can easily kind of get pushed to the back burner, but you always need to have an honest evaluation of your team. And if you are not on an ascension, if you're not climbing towards being competitive, you really need to look at moving the other direction so that you can be competitive in a couple of years time. Yeah, absolutely. You can't, the, the way that I've kind of got used to evaluating the team is how many hypotheticals am I pinning on to this team? And the more like hypotheticals you have to kneel on, for you to be successful, then the worse your team probably is. You're like, oh well, well, you know, like Chase Claypool, like if Deontay Johnson gets injured, then Chase Claypool will come in and he'll be the guy. And it's like yeah. like the more hypotheticals you put onto your team, the less chance you probably have of winning. So I always think that's a good marker for for evaluating your team and, and looking at it honestly. That is precisely how I do it, right? I'll set what I believe to be my starting lineup and say do I think this team can compete for a championship? And then as I start going through those, those, those hypotheticals, right? What if George Pickens takes over the job, right? Or if George yeah. Pickens takes the job, 
this team is a championship caliber team. If Damian Pierce takes the job and George Pickens takes the job, right? So like as those layers of, of uh, kind of prerequisites stack up, um, your yeah. likelihood of them actually coming to pass is going down each with each layer you add on. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's, you know, maybe one of the most important tips you can you can have in Dynasty is yeah, you got to be honest with that team and I'll look at it objectively and see what you are able to do or you have to start again and there's no shame in that either. In fact, that's probably the most fun part of Dynasty. I love blowing teams up and starting again. Like it's it's yeah, it's one of the most fun ways that you can you can play a Dynasty. That's why a lot of the times it's like Hey, anyone need like want to take over this orphan? It's an absolute dumpster fire. I'm like, I'll take it. It'll be fun. Like, yeah, just, I yeah. love the the rebuild side <laughs> of it. So, yeah, there's no, I, uh, there's no shame in it. I I kind of get myself in trouble with that too, because like if if I have any doubt, if I am not you know 100 steadfast that this is a a competitive team, I'll just err on the side of a rebuild too. Or like yeah. if I think that there is like a market opportunity within my league where it's like I can probably get way more future value for my assets right now than I will be able to in a month or a season. Sometimes yeah. I'll take a pretty competitive team and just push, you know, push it out a few more years because I can get a haul for the pieces that I have because I think, you know, they have yeah. a, a primed market. So I'm I'm right there with you, right? Like scrapping it and really building up fresh is is a ton of fun. I probably do it a bit more than I realistically should. <laughs> Yeah, me too, probably. But it's fun, right? It's it's fun. That's why we play it, isn't it? It's 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 fun. So that's that's the main reason why we all play. We play Dynasty. Yeah. So um, love that first two tips. Absolutely nailed it so far. Have you got a got a third tip for us, Eric? I do have a third tip. It is also somewhat fundamental, and that is that activity is key. The yeah. more active you can be, I mean the the waiver wire is is usually a bit picked over in the Dynasty format, but as we talk about your rookie drafts, as we talk about making trades and acquiring assets, the more trades, the more you can transact, the higher the likelihood is that you find yourself with a positive outcome, right? Like you see yeah. all of these like, like fantastical tales of how someone turned Sterling Shepard into Jonathan Taylor, right? They obviously yeah. did not trade Sterling Shepard for Jonathan Taylor, yeah. right? And to say that they are, you know, one degree of separation removed from that is probably a farce as well, right? That's a trade that they made in 2019 that then gave them a piece that they packaged in 2020 that gave them another piece, and all of a sudden they have Jonathan Taylor, right? So you look at these teams that are really built and stacked for these three-year runs of being competitive, it's because they've, they've found incremental gains in the margins by being super active in the trade market. Exactly. Yeah, I really like that. And, you know, something that I'm sort of, I'm finally over this because the draft class came in this year and I was like, oh no. Because basically what I've done for the last two years is I've been trading everything away from this year's draft class to get next year's draft class. Yeah. And I've been doing everything I can to get 23 firsts. And that is sort of like a long term kind of vision. And now, you know, going into next season's draft, I can't wait. I've got, honestly, I think in all my league, I must have at least 50, 23 first spread across all my Let's leagues. Go. Just waiting to be to be picked off. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And just having that, you know, having that plan in place and then acting on it. Like I say it on the show all the time, you don't want to be that guy that's like, oh, I would have given you more for that. It's like, don't you, you didn't. 
Like you weren't there, you weren't active. Like don't be that guy that complains about a trade being this or that. Be the guy that does the trade. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, right. And like I think the other side of of that example with your with your war chest of 2023 first, which I'm incredibly jealous of, yes. um, is like you you have to have a really accurate gauge for the marketplace that is your league, right? If yeah. there's a team that's you know right there, you can probably give them a piece and a 2022 for 2023 first, right? Um, yep. You know, maybe as you're heading into rookie drafts, right? The current year's draft picks will never have a higher valuation than they will right before you draft this year's rookies, right? So, like, you have to have your finger on on the pulse. And the thing that I'll I'll add to that is you have you have to be a considerate trade partner, right? Like. If you go into every transaction trying to win that trade, it's not going to help you in the long run, right? There have been times where it's like, uh, I'm kind of so-so on this trade. I think it's fair enough. I might even be slightly on the wrong side of it, but I think it sets up a really good trading relationship with this team that I want to work with, or it sets a precedent that in our dynasty league, I am the manager that is willing to get deals done, right? Third round draft picks are there to get deals done, <laughs> If if you're at, if you're at a uh, a stalemate, throw in a third round draft pick yeah. and get the deal done, and you will be the first person that your league mates are texting when it's time for them to head into rebuild, when it's time for them yeah. to get that last piece or two for a championship run. So you really have to be willing to play the long game, and sometimes that means you know being willing to stomach some some short term losses. Yeah, never like. There's usually never any point letting the trade blow up over a third or a fourth because in the long run, like, you know, and like everyone has got a story about a trade where they thought they lost it. And actually, it turns out it was a slam dunk for them. And like things to switch around and turn around so often that, you know, you never really know. Like you could end up, you know, trading someone away for a first round pick and think, oh, I probably should have given it away at that first. And then that first ends up being Trey Sermon. You're like, oh. Like it didn't matter anyway. Like it's right. It's it's so hard to predict what's going to happen. So just go go have fun and go get your guys and don't worry too much about about a third or a fourth here and there. Couldn't agree more. Awesome. So Eric, absolutely love those those three tips for for everybody listening. And now we're going to slide right back into the main part of the show, which is the hot seat mock draft. So we're going to pull up our mock draft on sleeper here and look at that not even a bead of sweat on eric he's used to this heat he's absolutely he was born what was that being said he was born in the darkness he was born in the flames (laughs) forged in fire so we're going to turn off all the signs and the notifications and all of that and so eric the the first question i've i've got for you in this you know 12 team 18 run startup super flex for dynasty if you were able to choose uh, a starting position in an absolutely ideal world, what position would you pick for this format and, and why would you choose it? So for me, I'd probably look at probably look at the five spot. Um, I, I think an accurate gauge of, of sort of the temperament of your league is important. I also think, you know, having a good feel for uh, the the software that you use and what their ADP will represent um, is mm. is something to keep in mind. Um, yeah. The reason why I like the five spot is for me in Dynasty Superflex. There's really 
there's a pretty big tier break between the first tier of quarterbacks, which I have currently uh, with four residents in there, and the next tier. So in the five spot, either I'm going to get one of those top five quarterback assets that I covet, yep. or my decision is going to be made for me. If not, then um, you know I'm, I'm in a position where on the way back around, I'm not so far down the second round that you know it's it's really slim picking. So specifically in the dynasty super flex format, I like being kind of right at the beginning of that middle section of the draft. Yeah, nice. So let's let's get position five locked in then and see if one of those top four quarterbacks fall to us. Maybe a Jonathan Taylor or a Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase comes off the board and we can get one of those quarterbacks. So let's let's start the draft and and we'll see who does fall to us and. As you would imagine, that the top three come along, and then it is Justin Jefferson that comes off the board. Now, this is actually going to be interesting, Eric, because people watching the show now, you'll have some people assuming that the fourth quarterback you're talking about is Joe Burrow, and you'll have some people assuming that the fourth quarterback you're talking about is Lamar Jackson. So, which one of those is it? Or are you going to throw a complete curveball and tell us it's Kyler Murray or Dak Prescott? Drum roll, please. It is Lamar Jackson. It is Lamar. everyone who is out there who agrees with me that Lamar Jackson is in that top tier of quarterbacks. First, congratulations on being correct. And second, <laughs> show me some love. Hit that like button. We're going for that Hall of Fame. Yes. <laughs> I can I can almost hear the clicks from here. Like it's, going up. It's I like can... a symphony of clicks out there. It's a yeah, bit of any 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 Ravens fans, any Lamar fans, hit that like button for for the Lamar love. <laughs> nice. So, so talk us through Lamar Jackson. Then, why, why are you, why are you taking Lamar Jackson here over, you know, someone like Joe Burrow? That's obviously shot up, you know, the ADP charts. What, what, what gives Lamar Jackson the, the edge uh, from where you stand? I'll get him locked in, and we'll let the pick come around to us, and you can talk us through why you love Lamar so much. Yeah, I mean the 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 thing about it is that in today's game, a a, a not only a mobile but a rushing first quarterback is is a cheat code right um you know we we think about how players operate and fantasy points are scored with variability and Mm -hmm. the more that you are dependent on a single means of generating points the more that you're exposed to that variability right not to mention that you know scoring formats are as such where production picked up by the ground game is inherently more valuable than that that is picked up by the air, right? Most standard formats yeah. are one point for ten rushing yards, and there are one point for twenty-five passing yards. Um, yep. In at least a considerable proportion of leagues, a rushing touchdown is worth more than a passing touchdown. So um, there are just a ton of things that make mobile quarterbacks inherently more valuable in my mind, and specifically Lamar Jackson. I mean, he is absolutely an athletic freak of nature. He can. Yeah. Very much so carry himself to top five finishes year over year just on his groundwork alone, where I think I'm a little bit different from the rest of the field is I, I think Lamar Jackson is a far more capable passer than he gets credit for. Really, yep. the only the only knock against Lamar Jackson that I think has any validity to it is durability, right? He is depending on freakish athleticism in order to yeah. score his fantasy points. At some point, father time will catch up to him. But I also tend to think that 
that is a bit further out than most people are considering, right? When I talked about those three-year windows earlier, I feel like Lamar Jackson is absolutely in the middle of a three-year window where you will be competitive with him as your QB1 in Superflex. And if in four or five years from now I need to start making contingency plans, that's fine. I'll do that with several trophies sitting on my mantle, right? <laughs> nice. I really like that pick of, of Lamar Jackson. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, people people are sleeping on Lamar Jackson a bit, I think. And, you know, after someone who's shown that he can do it so well in the NFL, I think, yeah, I think Lamar Jackson's going to go forward and have, hopefully, a pretty big year next year, and hopefully he can stay healthy. So I love that as a, as a first pick, a real, you know, cornerstone of your team getting locked up there. And we're on the clock again in round number two, and you've got a stack opportunity sitting up at the top there, Mark Andrews. This is not tight end premium, uh, but you can still see that, you know, the power of Mark Andrews are sitting up at the top of that list uh, at the tight end position. Then you've also got some more quarterbacks there as well. It is super flex, so, you know, you could lock up your second quarterback with either Russell Wilson or, or Trey Lance, potential, you know, cheat code quarterback that you talked about. Or is anyone else standing out to you there? So this actually didn't play out the way that I was hoping, if I'm being completely okay. honest. Um, <laughs> usually on the way back around, I find myself in a position where a DeAndre Swift, a Najee Harris is there waiting for me. That obviously didn't yeah. play out. Actually, more running backs than I expected went off the board by this point. Um, yeah. So for me, that has me looking to the wide receiver position. I think that there's still an elite option sitting here at the position. And for me, that's Debo Samuel. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, there was a bit of uncertainty around his contract over the course of the offseason. That has now came and went. And I do think that he will not only be a prominent force in this San Francisco passing game, but the big question mark around his discontent with the 49ers was how much of a runner he wanted to be. And now he has a direct incentive in that very large contract to produce yeah. for them on the ground. So, um, you know, if, if I'm being honest, kind of in a bit of a no man's land here um, with how the draft board fell, but that happens sometimes. So ultimately, yeah. Uh, going to go with what I believe to be a premier young talent at the wide receiver position. Nice. And that's why, you know, a lot of the times you said people like it's sometimes hard to come into a draft with a particular strategy because usually things just change and it's often just better just, you know, play things as they fall, be happy to move in different directions. And how can you not be happy about, about getting Debo Samuel? So we'll get him locked up and hopefully he'll have another tremendous year next year as more running backs come off the board with Brees Hall and, and Joe Mixon and Derek Henry. And this is something that happens, you know, in a lot of drafts where, I don't know, you might be the same as me here, but if I see this in a draft, this actually happened to me in the Scott Fishbowl where it was running backs just going off the board, off the board, off the board. And instead of panicking, going, oh, I need to get a running back, I was like, I'm going to zig while everyone else is zagging. I was like, I'll just take all these tight ends. I'll just take all these receivers. I'll just try to stack up as many as I can get. Is that something that you would try and do as well? Are you thinking, oh, no, I need to get a running back before there's no left? What what kind of side would you fall on? Yeah, I am in complete agreement with, with your sentiment. Um, I will not bury the lead any further. I'd be happy to welcome Stefan Diggs to this team as my wide receiver too. I actually mm -hmm. have him ahead of several of the guys that went off the board in front of him. And to your point about kind of the overall feel of the draft, Generally speaking, obviously, I mean, there is no ironclad kind of tried and true strategy that you can roll out 100% of the times. But 
if you find your league zigging, zagging is generally a good idea, right? Um, So I I think that it's something to kind of keep a pulse on. Um, And specific to your question about running backs, you know, again, it was kind of a no man's land. I was hoping that Kamara would be sitting there, but he's not. Um, So, you know, if, if that's the case, if I'm, if I'm right in between tiers, if I'm, you know, if the last player of a tier has just come off the board, then, you know, very much so I'm comfortable uh, just taking an elite option in a different position and knowing that I'll have to build depth or strength elsewhere in the, in the draft at the running back position in this case. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, yeah, it's just one of those drafts, right? Where it's like, okay, these guys are, are going for the running backs and that's just the way it's going to be. And yeah, you gotta be super pleased. I mean, getting Stefan Diggs in the third round, that is, that is really, really good value. And we're right back on the clock again. Round number four, George Kittle up at the top, Justice Fields, Cam Akers is there, Aaron Rodgers is there. Michael Pittman Jr., Derek Carr. And, you know, I can filter by position as well, Eric, if there's a particular position you're you're trying to see to. I would like for you to do that. Um, at this point, I don't think I want to look at my second quarterback quite yet. We're also after a tier break here. Feeling pretty mm-hmm. comfortable with my wide receiver start. I'm not necessarily a Kittle guy, and I certainly don't want to stack him up with Debo Samuel uh, quite this early yeah. in the draft. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna peruse the running backs. The name that comes to mind for me is a bit more of a short to midterm asset in the dynasty game, um, mm-hmm. but I I think I'd like to add Aaron Jones here. Um, I thought you were gonna say that, yeah, yeah. In in my mind. I think he's got at least two more years of being an elite option at the running back. I kind of pause there because I think he's going to be utilized much more as a pass catcher in the, in the short to immediate term. But I mean, there's, there's a world where he could easily catch 70 plus balls this year. Um, You know, and it's a small sample size, but in games, I think it's eight games where Devonte Adams was not on the field. Every single one of Aaron Jones's, Receiving metrics went up. He caught uh, nearly three times as many passes. He got into the end zone as a receiver uh, three times as frequently. I mean, just his his points per game goes up a good 20%. I mean, everything that we have seen historically from the Packers indicates that Aaron Jones is going to step up in a big way with Devontae Adams out. I don't think he has maybe that third year that I would really covet. Um, But in terms of the immediate-term productivity – um, I, I think he is the best of breed amongst the the remaining running backs. Yeah, I really like Aaron Jones for for the next two years, as you said. And you know, I think there's an argument to be to be had about about Aaron Jones that he's actually the guy on the Packers that Aaron Rodgers trusts the most to catch the ball because he's done it so often for him. While the other guys there, there's nobody there really that has caught. I don't know who's caught more balls for the Packers, Alan Lazard or, or Aaron Jones, but I'm going to assume it's Aaron Jones, right? I assume he's caught the most passes on that team compared to anybody else. That sounds directionally right, yeah. Um, right? I mean, maybe maybe if we want to ca- count Randall Cobb still kicking around out there. True. He might, he yeah. might be competing with Aaron Jones, but I, yeah. I think the point persists, right? Like. He, he will be utilized as a pass catcher. I mean, even last year with Adams there, 
he had a thirteen percent target share among all pass catchers in in, in Green Bay, right? So I mean, it's it is a big part of his role, um, and I I think he's he's being slept on both by the you know the the people at large, but also by uh, sleeper automation as we get him late into the fourth. (laughs) Exactly. So yeah, we're he's not being slept on on this show. So let's get let's get Aaron Jones locked up as we see. A couple of quarterbacks finally, you know, coming off that board there as, you know, Kenny Walker and, and Cam Akers come off the board too at the running back position. Well, I've still got running back up here, Eric, at the minute. You know, Jackhead Dobbins sitting up at the top with Antonio Gibson, special teams player, Diva Montgomery. You hear about that? Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the reports out of camp every year just are fantastic. <laughs> like, They're so good, right? Just... <laughs> Everyone gets run with the ones. Everyone probably sees a couple of snaps on on special team, yeah. right? But it happens once or twice. A reporter runs with it, and all of a sudden, the downfall of David Montgomery is here, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, he's David Montgomery is still there for us, along with you know Lombardi, Lenny, and, and Josh Jacobs. Are are you wanting to see what else we got across the other positions? Um, so I think. We're probably going to see at least a couple of these guys. We are in the middle of of a tier here, right? David Montgomery, Leonard Fournette, uh, James Conner even. Um, You know, I I think that these are all desirable assets that kind of rank right around each other. Uh, I was grimacing a bit as Justin Fields came off the board. Um, Yeah. Let's let's cruise back to the the quarterbacks. Uh, My sense is that it's going to be pretty ugly over there, and I'm – not really going to be in love with any of them. Um, yeah. Tom Brady's still actually on a real short term. Yeah. I think, um, I think I'm a bit more bullish on this player. I would like to get him as my QB two. I don't think he'll be there on the way back around, given that team eight is quarterback list, that team nine and 10 uh, only have one team. 12 on, is, is quarterback list as well. Yeah. Let's add, uh, yeah. let's add two attacks. Um Ooh. I think that he is being a bit undersold in general. Um, more than anything, I am incredibly excited about what Mike McDaniels can do with this offense. McDaniel yes. can do with this offense. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it is an embarrassment of riches in terms of the weapons available at him uh, for him. And as I give my justification and analysis for why I went two attacks there, the board proceeded to pick zero quarterbacks in the subsequent 15 or so. <laughs> um, it, maybe I don't it's have as accurate like a gauge <laughs> as I, as I might've thought. Yeah, but no, I, I'm, I'm right there with you uh, with the take on Tua. Like how I just don't see how he can't have a good year. Like everywhere you look, there's a weapon to throw him at. And especially now with Mike McDaniel, that's going to be so well disguised behind the run game, behind RPOs, that he's just, he could not be in a better situation. There's barely a quarterback with a better situation, maybe apart from what, like Tom Brady. There's no quarterback who is set up to succeed as well as Tua has been. You know, he's got everything that you could possibly want so I think he's got to have a good year, right? Because he's a he's a good quarterback. So I don't see how he's going to end up flaming out this year. I think I think he's going to have a good year with all those weapons behind him. So I think that's a that's a great pick in there. Even though no one else picked a quarterback, I still think it's a great pick. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm 
maybe maybe a a fourth uh, uh, art of ro- art of war rule to to roll out there, right? Like have conviction in your picks, right? Don't don't do yeah. something exclusively because you think the market is going one way or the other. Um, you know, if if you if you make a decision and that informs it, that's fine. But um, you don't want to find yourself in a situation like this where maybe you passed up on a couple of guys that you would like to have uh, on your roster currently because you thought it was going to break one way. And as we saw, it can just as readily go the other way. The only thing I think you didn't mention with regard to, um, you know, this this sort of arms race for Miami is mm-hmm. they also went out and signed the richest contract of any free agent player this offseason and bringing in left tackle Teron Armstead as well. So mm-hmm. um, not yeah. only will he have plenty of weapons to distribute the ball to, he should be – behind a markedly improved offensive line. Miami's had one of the worst offensive lines by PFF grade yeah. for seemingly forever. Um, so happy to get to it here. I'll continue yeah, to justify absolutely. it as uh, as I feel sad about some of the running backs that came off the board. Um, and also, like, just just very quick as well, like the fact that they went and, you know, spent all that money on a left tackle as well, obviously two left-handed, like that kind of shows that they're, they're kind of all in onto it here, right? That they're wanting that protection on that left-hand side for Tua. Um, so, yeah, that's a good sign that they're thinking they're not going to just give it to a year and move on from there. thinking long-term with him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, here, I will ask you to go back to all players. I think I have a pretty good gauge of the direction I want to go. I just want to make sure that I am not overlooking anybody. Cool. Um, so, yeah, Traylon Burks is sitting up there. Uh, Keenan Allen and Chris Godwin, some other players, along with some of the quarterbacks we just see. Yeah, Chris Godwin's probably the most kind of desirable piece overall in terms of how this team is coming together. Though, I don't know if I want to risk a good third or more of the season to him ramping mm-hmm. up. Right, like I am, I am efforting to build a not only a competitive team for the three years to come. But specifically, I want to I, I want to go for it this year with how this team is coming together. For me, yeah. a, a a incredible stabilizing force. Happy to have him as my wide receiver three. I'm going to add in Keenan Allen. Obviously, the nice. arrow is pointing up on this Chargers offense as Justin Herbert heads yeah. into another year in the NFL level. Um, I mean, to find him here, almost all the way through the fifth is. Somewhat ridiculous. I think Superflex has something to do with that. But to trot him out as my wide receiver three, I've got a lot of upside. Um, I've got a little bit of risk in how I've approached the running back position specifically. But I think getting, in in my book, three top 12 wide receivers to roll out every single week is going to offset that weak spot at running back. Yeah, I 100% would have taken Keaton Allen here as well. Like, just the guy is... You know, so consistent. He's tied to an absolute superstar quarterback. He's going to have another good year. So, yeah, I think getting Keenan Allen as a wide receiver three, you know, that is – you'd even be happy to have Keenan Allen as your wide receiver two, never mind your wide receiver three. So I think that's a really good pick there and gets that stability for the team going forward. And, and we're back on the clock again. Round number seven with Mac Jones, Tom Brady at the top. You got Hollywood Brown, Chris Olave, Rashad Bateman sitting up there as well. But again, just like before, I can change filter positions if you're wanting. Yeah, um, 
I've got an idea of where I want to go here as well, but um, if if you would be so kind as just to scroll down these overall rankings, um, this should give me a bit of a better gauge as to how the board might break in the next dozen or so picks. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of wide really, I, this is this is the point by which I would I would look to start thinking about tight end. I think I've got at least enough leash and enough alternatives yeah. to where if I pass one more time, a couple of the guys that I would hope for should still be there. So instead yeah. let's, uh, let's bounce over to the running back position. This is going to be ugly. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's just kind of the, the nature of the beast. Um, Aaron Jones is splitting a backfield. Um, I do think that his work as a receiver will bring, a ton of value to what he can do in the next two years. Yeah. This one hurts a bit. I, I probably waited a little too long at the, at the running back position. Um, I'm going to go with a guy that I still think has a bit of runway in front of him. He's certainly young enough. He's in a desirable offense. Sometimes he's got to hold your nose and do it. I'll, I'll bring on CEH. Obviously there's a lot of talk about, Isaiah Pacheco this camp I think that Pacheco's performance his ascension really is more of a greater risk for Ronald Jones who might not even yeah. make the team this year um but if you if you watch how these practices are playing out if you watch how the players are being deployed in the limited preseason action I think we actually see Clyde Edwards Hilaire at least be on the predominant side of a split 55 60 yeah. percent of touches for Kansas City at least for the year to come, if he does well with those, which I think he is, at least has the skill set to do, um, you know that that could be a few years to come. So, um, yeah. not not my favorite position to be in with him as my running back too. But uh, board broke that way, and have to adjust my strategy a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Clyde, Clyde Edwards Larry, I think I think he's got another year to kind of show what's happening. His big Issue seems to be as well. He can't get a run of games going. He keeps getting injured, and he keeps getting these little niggly injuries that keep him out for like a week or two. And then, like somebody like a Jarek McKinnon comes in, and he looks okay. And then he keeps his play. If he could just stay healthy and get a good run of games going, I think he should kneel down that that number one role there. I mean, Isaiah Pacheco. There's been a lot of you know talk about him, but you know, like even in the preseason games, he is missing gigantic holes. That he's just not running through. He's so green still. I would be very surprised if Isaiah Pacheco has any kind of, you know, value going into like the end of next year. I don't think no one's going to be drafting Isaiah Pacheco anywhere near the top of their boards this time next year. I just, I just don't see it really. I can see it more with Clyde Edwards, Lair, Jarek McKinnon, and, and Ronald Jones and, and Pacheco. He might end up being like a special teams guy. Maybe I just don't, I just don't see it. Yeah, that's that's really the the calculus for me, right? Like if there's if there's a young kind of no-name guy emerging over the course of camp and the player in front of him is just a warm body, right? Someone that hasn't yeah. really done anything at the NFL level, someone that, you know, is kind of a ham and egger to put it differently. Maybe yeah. that, you know, that youngster can can really push them for reps, but when when those fundamental things are lacking, and the player in front of them is still very talented, right? You mentioned that uh, Edwards Alaire has been kind of nicked up over the past few seasons. Yeah. So 
I think, you know, any uh, anything he's left us wanting from an on-field production standpoint has more to do with injury and availability than his actual skill set. I just I don't I don't think it's all that likely that Pacheco pushes him in the near term. Um, yeah. Looking at the board now, this is actually kind of fantastic. Uh, the players that I was between Clyde Edwards-Helaire and um, are all still on the board. For me, I'm going to go with a bit more safety. I'll, I'll admit that there is risk in the Clyde Edwards-Helaire pick to an extent. I'm looking for yeah. a guy that is going to have a defined and a well-defined role in a rush-first offense even though he's on technically the wrong side of the split, I'm going to add Kareem Hunt here. Um, Hunt has absolutely flashed when he's had the opportunity before. Yeah. And specifically the, the reasoning behind picking him here is that he's got, he's got outs, right? Kind of like I was talking about with Lamar Jackson or rushing quarterbacks in general. Yeah. Kareem Hunt has been able to produce near 15 points per game on average for most of his time in Cleveland while he's splitting carries with with Nick Chubb, if Chubb yep. gets injured, if uh, or rather now that Deshaun Watson we know is going to be suspended for 11 games, they're going to lean even more heavily on the run. If Kareem Hunt mm-hmm. gets traded, right? There are so many outcomes yeah. that can play out to where Kareem Hunt not only has a very safe contribution as, as my running back three, but also the arrow can point up. So um, at least for me, I, I think Kareem Hunt, Tony Pollard is another guy that I was considering are following a little bit too far down the board, given that they've got such a steady workload and there mm. are several outcomes where they, they can take a step forward. Nice. Yeah. I, I like cream hunt there as well. And you know, a lot of the time for, for me as well, like you're looking at the board like that and I'm just like, who's the best player there? Cream hunts the best player there. Like I think hands down. Um, so I think it's never a bad idea to just get good players on your team and and usually that talent is enough to to end up producing points for your team so i really like that pick with cream hunt there and especially something you've done something that i quite like to do as well if you notice a sort of gap in your team just go back to back and try and get that adjusted and get that sorted as soon as you can so i like that filling up that running back position are you wanting me to flick back to all players to see who's there or you do see someone in the running back room there that you're happy with at uh at this point so I was hoping uh, Pat Frymuth was the player that I was mentioning two picks ago. Obviously, yeah. he made it back to me, but uh, couldn't pass up on Hunt given the the way that my team was coming together. Um, Tony Pollard is still sitting here. There are some running backs that I like. Let me take a quick gander at tight end. Um, I, I know who's here. I never really find myself wanting to take Dallas Goddard. I think that he will have... A very solid year. I think his touchdown upside goes up in this Philadelphia offense. But also, yeah. he's kind of been in the mix for a while, and he's just sort of one of those tweener type of tight ends. Um, yeah. Since none of these robots can hear us, I think, hmm. I'll probably pass on Goddard and hope to get Cole Komet on the way back around. Um, yep. Love targeting him as a very young tight end on the rise. Um, yeah, let's... Uh, Let's let's go for it here. I'm I'm actually going to pass up on uh, Tony Pollard, who I was just speaking speaking up a moment ago. I'll stick at the running back position. I'll go with a guy that I think can potentially contribute this year, but also has a bit of runway in front of him, and that's Damian Pierce. Um, he's looked absolutely electric mm-hmm. for this Texans team 
uh, in his prison action. He's got to navigate Marlon Mack. I don't think that that's something that will really hinder him. Um, no. This is, this is a bit of uh, an interesting piece here. Obviously, running back is a position of need for me, but I do think that there's a world where Pierce takes this role in the kind of near to midterm, you know, within four weeks or so. And if he if he plays well, which I think he has the skill set to do, I think this can be his job for a couple of years, right? The Texans are in the midst of a yep. rebuild. So they are evaluating their roster. And if they if they can check a box, this team that literally needs every single position, they can come yep. out of 2022 and say, hey, lucky us, we answered the question at cornerback and we answered the question at wide receiver. We no longer need to address those. I mean, this mm. could be his job for a while. So um, now is my running back four going back to back to back, feeling much better about my stable of RBs as we get into yeah. the middle rounds. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's good to get in, you know, Pierce as the third guy in this little run. You know, he could actually end up being your, your RB too, like Certainly. in the midst of the year. He could be Aaron Jones and it could be Damian Pierce if he continues to to trend the way that he has been. So I guess great value there getting Pierce in the in the ninth round. If you just look at some of the other running backs going around him, like you could easily see next year Damian Pierce going ahead of a Damian Harris or a Miles Sanders or you know some of these guys that have gone before him, even Josh Jacobs, maybe, you know, he's in a position where he could fall. So I think that's a good sort of gamble sitting at the at the ninth round as on the, some of those tight ends did go, but Cole Komet did not. You got Goddard and Knox going off, Mike Kosicki going off, Cole Komet is sitting right at the top up there. He is, yes, just down here on the overall ADP. So is, is Cole Komet where you're thinking now, or is you know someone like Christian Kirk kind of drawing your eye away? I mean, Christian Kirk always draws my eye away um, <laughs> to, to get what will be the wide receiver one in an improved offense yeah. you know, well into the mid, you know, even early late rounds is a value that I have been attacking all year. What I'm struggling with is this. Generally speaking, tight end is one of those positions where you're not going to see a whole lot of teams double up on them early. Mm-hmm. I can't tell if any of these robots have done this yet. I don't believe that they have. Um, but I was very, very afraid in my emotions when I saw that orange sticker pop up for Mike Kaseki <laughs> right before it was my turn. Yeah. Um, so as much as I love Christian Kirk, there are a few other guys that I think I can get comparable productivity, maybe not quite as a big value, but I'm going to feel a certain kind of way if I pass on Cole Komet and I am making a decision between Hayden Hurst and the like. So give me Cole Komet. Um, My my favorite thing to say about Komet, if we talk about how fun TD regression is going to be for Kyle Pitts this year, Cole Komet is essentially the light version of that. He is their number two pass catcher last year. He did not find the end zone. He will find the end zone as long as he has that same role. I think he will. Young guy comes out of a tight end factory. A lot of things to like. So yeah. I'll I'll add him here. I'll cross my fingers that I'll be dancing with Kirk in a minute. Yeah, I love that Cole Komet pick. And Cole Komet was the eighth most targeted tight end last year out of all the tight ends. And the guys that were the seven above him were tight ends one, two, three, four, five, six, six and seven in overall points. So if he can just get some touchdowns, he'll be well up there with those other seven guys that finished ahead of him in targets you know, last year. So he's obviously going to go up in, in touchdowns. You can't, 
he can't score like an own goal touchdown, right? So he yeah, right. he should be he should be <laughs> fine, right? So he'll definitely go up. And you know, sadly, Christian Kirk did ping off the board there. So we're we're not going to be able to get him locked in. And you know, Adam Thielen and Rolando Stevenson going off the board as well. As we are back on the board now, round number eleven. You got a couple of quarterbacks sitting there: Tannehill, Matt Ryan, Davis Mills, and now. Round 11 is usually where things get a bit murkier, right? The tides. Yeah, let's turn. um, yeah, let's let's cruise over to the wide receivers. I think I know where I want to go. Um, when I mentioned that there are a couple of guys that would be fine consolations to Christian Kirk, one of those guys was Adam Thielen. So of course he went. Um, yeah. I'll stump for uh this uh this O'Connell led Vikings team. I think that um they are going to surprise people in how much they yeah. score. Uh, here in, yeah. in the year to come. Uh, yeah, let's let's scroll down a little bit. Really what I'm doing is I'm just confirming that I'm not missing anything. It's it's kind of hard to keep up with my ADP when you're doing the drafting. I, I don't believe that I am yeah. missing anyone. I will go back to the well at running back, and I'm going to yep. add Rashad Penny. Um, yeah. I am not a Ken Walker guy in general um i don't think that he really can do much for them as a pass catcher and i think this is a team for a couple years to come will be needing to catch up a lot obviously yeah. now ken walker is dealing with a hernia i believe it is so his immediate term availability is also in question and now mm-hmm. running back goes from a position of uncertainty for me to a position of strength right i've got guys that can yeah. contribute immediately if if the arrow points up on guys like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, like Damian Pierce, if Kareem Hunt gets traded, Rashad Penny is a fantastic win-now asset that I can try to move yeah. and improve my team elsewhere. Just a lot of yeah. versatility in, in getting Penny here. I know he's not everyone's favorite, but ultimately, I mean, were we midway through the 11th round, super solid value. Happy to have him. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. For someone who was what the last four weeks of the season was running back one overall. Like yep. that's incredible value there. You're just hoping with Penny that he can that he can stay healthy. And you know, the Seahawks are gonna run the ball as Pete Carroll. That's, that's what he does. So yeah, I think he's gonna see a lot of workload and hopefully he can stay healthy. And you're right, we you turned this draft around for having running backs something you're worried about. Now you're like, oh, my running back room is, is super strong. And you know, there's still some great running backs sitting there on the board. Uh, at the moment in round number 12 um or you want to see who else we got on the board as well yeah let's uh let's jump back to wide receivers um i'm very happy with my starting trio but obviously yeah. as i've addressed my running back need um my depth has gotten a little bit thin here right so mm. um for me the clear choice here a guy that i think will lead their their team, their offense in targets and receptions, probably in yards, should compete for touchdowns, is Robert Woods, Tennessee Titans. Nobody in the league had more vacated receptions, had more vacated air yards, had more vacated receiving touchdowns. Traylon Burks is a phenomenal prospect, but honestly, I'm I'm kind of freaked out about this conditioning availability thing, right? Like he's yeah. been he's been playing through these breathing issues through asthma for the majority of his young career. And now all of a sudden it's keeping him off the field. It, it makes me feel like something has kind of worsened in that condition. Um, yeah. So it, it makes me very worried for his 
for his overall well-being, certainly for yeah. his, his near-term availability. And I think all the while, Bobby Trees is going to emerge in this offense and really take a stranglehold on the wide receiver one position. Very happy to have him as my first guy off the bench as my fourth receiver. Yeah, that's exactly where, where I would have went as well, uh, Robert Woods. I mean, just, I feel like every year, Robert Woods is a great value. Like, I cannot believe that Alec Pierce and David Bell are going ahead of Robert Woods and ADP. I, don't, I just, I don't understand it at all. So I think he's always great value. And once again here, Robert Woods, brilliant value in the in the 12th round. Maybe you're an Alex Pierce or, or David Bell guy, but I don't know. I, I just don't understand how they can be ahead of Robert Woods. To to an extent, I am. I, I certainly am. Um, but in the context of value, no way. Like Woods yeah. should be a good 15, 18 picks ahead of those guys. Right. Um, as we saw, we said their names, and they went off in immediate succession. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, with with, some... uh, with what Woods can do in this offense, with what this offense needs, I mean, he's he's just such a smash value. Um, here, I'm going to continue to go back to back. I mentioned feeling a little weak at the wide receiver position. I want to yep. address that. I'm going to take kind of a, a tweener player. This is a guy that I think can contribute in the very near term, but also if he establishes himself. He can be the long-term wide receiver, too, in an offense that loves to throw the ball. I'm going to add Jalen Tolbert here as my fifth wide receiver. Yep. Yeah, Jalen Tolbert, you know, obviously, like, the, the Cowboys love. Obviously, you're from from Texas. Are, are you a, a Cowboys fan? Are you a Texans fan? Or I am not a Cowboys fan. I am a uh, sad and woeful Texans fan. Um, but I won't let that get in the way of uh, of these <laughs> draft needs, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll, we'll not we'll not hold that to you. So it's uh, we'll we'll kind of just move best us to move past that one, right? Right, Eric. We'll not we'll not stick <laughs> in the Texans too long. Um, so okay. we we got I'm, I'm we the, got I'm the only weirdo out there that'll claim the Texans. I, <laughs> my, I met my another cousin, my... Texans fan at the expo, and it was bizarre. It was like the nice. Spider Man meme. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No, my my cousin's a Texans fan, so I I, I know hey. I know one one Texans fan. So that's, that's buy him nice. buy him a beer. He's been going through it. I'll buy him. Uh, actually, yeah, I seen him uh, a few weeks ago at a wedding, and I did buy him a beer, and he was just there like, oh, man. and he just kind of he kind of he kind of just unloaded <laughs> like like for like a half hour. It's like wow. He's like yeah, that's it's all it's bad. So yeah, we get right. we can spend all day talking about the Texans thing, but yeah, Jill Tolbert. Really, really good pick there, especially, you know, like considering, you know, obviously CeeDee Lamb's a guy there. He's he's locked in. But, you know, James Washington has been a bit nicked up. Michael Gallup is – I don't think Michael Gallup's going to be ready for the start of the season. So if Tolbert comes in and does a good job, then I don't see why he can't he can't keep that position. So I think that's a really, really good pick there. And we're, we're right back on the board again. And we've got, you know, two Chiefs receivers sitting at the top with Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, and the absolutely atrocious McCall Hardman as well. Is uh, is anyone start the night there, or do you want to see some other positions? Yeah, you're you're gonna scare me off of my Hardman pick. Um, now let's uh, <laughs> let's let's go back to the full list. Um, you know where where I am at this point in the draft. I think there's a couple of things to consider. the The first is I'm very bullish on Cole Komet, but yep. there are several tight ends that we have been waiting for the year three breakout for like seven years. Um, so that is an area that I would like to address. 
you know, based on where we are in this draft, I don't think that there's really any cause for jumping out and trying to grab any of these guys at this point. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for me, Njoku was kind of the last stop in a tier. Um, Hunter Henry went the round before, and yeah. he's one of my favorite best ball targets specifically. Obviously, it's not yeah. this format. I'm going to pass on the wide receiver room. I'm going to play it a little bit safe here. I think I might be the first person to pull a third quarterback, but that quarterback is going to be Matt Ryan. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, I mean, almost definitively, this is the best offensive line that he has ever played behind. I, I like what this coaching staff can do relative to what he's had uh, there in Atlanta for the last couple of years. And specifically, while I, again, am bullish on both of these players, the downside to the Konami code, to the cheat code quarterback, they are more prone to injury. So I, I tend to go yeah. I tend to go quarterback three a little bit earlier than most. And two of tags is still somewhat of an unknown. So want to get a yeah. guy that I think could actually sneak his way into QB1 territory pretty readily mm-hmm. this year. And more importantly, he is going to have the job all year. So that yeah. uh, it de-risks my build as I try to make a championship run here in the immediate term. Yeah, absolutely. I think Matt Ryan is is just so so safe, and to have him, he's almost like yeah, you're, you're perfect. You know, quarterback three. You don't really have to worry about it. If it's a bye week, you're absolutely happy getting Matt Ryan locked in with that. You know, you have great offensive line in there as well. And obviously, everyone's been singing Matt Ryan's praises over the Colts right away because. Like the guy's a former MVP, got his team to the Super Bowl. He knows what he's doing. He's a great quarterback, and and I imagine he's going to do great things going forward. And it's got me really excited about Michael Pittman Jr. for next year as well. I think he's going to have an absolutely phenomenal year with Matt Ryan. Yeah, ab- absolutely. A lot of lot of things to like. Again, a little bit earlier than I typically like to go for my my third QB, but there's some question marks around the guys, the the guys that I have are a little bit injury prone would rather yeah. button up that side of my roster here. It's getting a yeah. little bit interesting. Um, you know, honestly, these, uh, these rankings feel a little bit sideways from my board. So it's hard for me to get a good gauge of where we sit right now. Um, mm. Certainly not looking at Evan Ingram quite yet. Um, yeah. For, Let's let's go. Let's let's jump back to the wide receiver position. I think there's a nice. couple of guys on my board. Uh, unless I haven't checked them off, maybe Olave has already gone. So let's keep scrolling. Yeah, I think Olave has gone. So you got like Jarvis Landry's up there. KJ Osborne at the bottom. Joshua Palmer, who looked fantastic uh, during their last preseason game, and Romeo Dobbs. No, Dobbs. Dobbs, Dobbs. I yeah, Dobbs. That Dobbs might actually be the way that I want to go here. Um, so for me, there's there's really three names that I'm considering. Dobbs yeah. is one of them. Uh, he is yeah. another preseason camp hype candidate, right? People are yeah. trading valuable assets for him because he's had a good camp and Aaron Rodgers has sung his praises. To yeah. be fair, they do need receiving help. So if he emerges as that guy, he can certainly pay dividends. On the other side of the spectrum, 
I think Devontae Parker ends up being the wide receiver one in New England. It's not yeah. exactly the, you know, the highest volume passing offense, but you know, we, we talk about sort of the lack of depth at the wide receiver position for this build. Yep. I'll go Devontae Parker. Um, you know, Tolbert is a bit of an unknown. I do think he'll yeah. do well, but considering that I need depth at the position, I would rather have a guy that I think will contribute in a steady way for the uh, for the duration of the season than maybe finding myself in a lurch. Yeah, exactly. Devontae Parker as well, who I'll just, um, just double-check as well, but I'm pretty sure Devontae Parker at one stage or the other has been a wide receiver one as well, has he? He certainly has. He had he had that considerable yeah. breakout. I think it was two years ago, maybe three years ago now. Um, yeah. So he's he's shown that he's he's been able to do it. He was in the division with Bill Belichick, and Bill Belichick prioritized him this offseason. He went out and got him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I do think that that speaks to his intention. Again, I mean, there's there's rarely anything to like in the New England offense. Um, yeah. You know, this year. More than any, as it's some combination of Joe Judge and Matt Patricia calling plays. Um, yeah, they don't even I, have I a coordinator. Think, <laughs> yeah, they're doing the the co coordinator thing with two guys that have never called plays. It's just, yeah, it's not it's not going great for this New England offense. Let's yeah, put it that way. But you know, if, if you look at kind of the first guys that I have coming off the bench for me at wide receiver, I think it's fair to covet consistency, which I think Devonte Parker will offer yeah. right yeah i think um, you and on the way back oh, yeah. around the yeah. sun shines on me again the guy that i was comparing him against romeo dobbs is sitting yeah. there i will yeah. take romeo dobbs the thought being right. that he either emerges as a a very valuable piece in a mm -hmm. in a, a potent offense or alternatively i can take advantage of continued preseason hype and try to change my lot in life elsewhere by moving them. So yeah. now that we're down here, I'll probably sound like a broken record, but at this part of the draft, I really, really covet versatility in how I can deploy the assets that I'm drafting. They can hit yeah. and I can use them, or I can trade them. Those are the kinds of guys that I make a priority. Yeah, exactly. I like I like Romeo uh, Dobbs there as well. And you know, I was just listening to oh, this is the round seventeen quarterback run. By the way, it seems to happen all the time. Um, I listened to a podcast on the way home from work today. I was talking about Romeo Dobbs, and he's going consensus now for a second round pick. That is the price on on Romeo Dobbs at this stage, and it is mainly due because Aaron Rodgers is talking him up. And the thought went through my head is like, do you think Aaron Rodgers like plays dynasty? And it's talking up Romeo Dobbs, and it's just like selling all his shares of Romeo Dobbs because he's talking his own value up. I was like, if I was an NFL quarterback, that's exactly what I would do. I would talk up my players that aren't very good, and then I would sell them <laughs> and just flip them. Right? I mean, yeah. look, like it would it would be fantastic if if he hits and he becomes a thing in in yep. Green Bay, right? But like every single year, we were, we were lamenting it earlier, right? Like. There are always these guys that seem to be setting the world on fire during yeah. camp, during preseason, and nothing ever comes of them, right? So if I just drafted Romeo Dobbs, what are we in the 13th round? We are well past that. We are in the 16th round where I got 16. him. 16. Um, yeah. 
if I just drafted him in the 16th round and he can get me a second round pick in that coveted 2023 class, let's yeah. dance. Like I'll take that yeah. all day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I would even be like being sneaky about it as well. I'd be looking, looking all the way up and down these teams, one to 12, be like, who's got the worst team? That's the second I want. That's who I'm going to first to offer it because I think they'll exactly. come last and then that second is all the way up there. So that's that's what I'd be doing maybe with, with Romeo Dobbs there. And, you know, we're, we're back on the board. we got two picks left. Um, is there any position you're wanting to see, Eric? Yeah, I, th- I think I know where I'm going. Uh, it will likely be a tight end, but let's take a look at who else is out there just to make sure I'm not overlooking anyone. Let's have a look. It'll all be, yeah, this is kind of a sleeper glitch here. All these quarterbacks are kind of piled up at the top there. Um, I'll, I'll okay. just click on flex so you can see just like the, the position players. A lot of wide receivers sitting up there. Donovan Peoples-Jones, Tyquan Thornton, Joshua Palmer still there. Brevin yeah, Jordan, let's, uh, tight ends. Let's take a look at the tight end specifically. Brevin Jordan yeah. is the direction that I intend to head. I just want to yeah. make sure there's not anyone hanging out there that I missed in the uh, rapid-fire auto picks that yeah. are going by. Um, Carol Everett um, could be in line for a big season, obviously, at the Chargers. And then my, my guy, Daniel Bellinger, as well. I like Daniel Bellinger. Daniel Bellinger is a fantastic dynasty piece. I, I think yeah. he will be here potentially on the way back around if I want to go that route. But mm-hmm. I am happy to get Brevin Jordan, uh, another yeah. guy that is very young in his career. And he, he showed a couple of things in really the back half of the year with Houston, right? He was uh, he was foregoing his playing time for the likes of you know Jordan Aikens last season. But from week yeah. eight on, he really took the field. His role in this offense stepped forward. Week over week over week, right? He finished with three touchdowns over that 10-game stretch. He had four different games over uh, the last nine-game stretch where he finished as a tight end one, right, in the top 12 at the position. So a guy that seems to be ascending, a guy that I hope I do not need to rely on. But if I do, there are several outcomes where he can at least contribute at a starting level here with my second-to-last pick. Yeah, absolutely love it, Brevin Jordan. And, and you'll be happy to know as a Texas fan, one of the most popular players on the show. So many people have drafted Brevin Jordan because I think everyone sees that he's a he's a real talent and he's and he is going places. And oh, actually, just before we pick our, our last pick, you can tell me what you think. It's nice to have a Texans fan on because I've been singing the praises of Davis Mills all year. What 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 are your thoughts on Davis Mills? So I I get accused of Homerism, um, <laughs> which is fair. I would. I, you know, I personally, I want to see Davis Mills do well, but mm-hmm. objectively, I mean, he might be the steal of the draft at the quarterback position last year. He got him in the third round, um, came in, he led all rookies in 400 yard passing games. If you look at him side by side, he is almost a mirror image of Mac Jones that everyone mm-hmm. seems to want to drool over. But yep. because he sort of looks like a giraffe and he's kind of. <laughs> Uh, awkward just, in his in yeah. his motion out there uh, because the Texans are generally a laughing stock. I don't think that he really gets the the credit that he's due. So, from my point of view, when I was talking about Matt Ryan earlier as a guy that I like to target yeah. as my QB three, Davis Mills is another one of those guys. Mainly because yeah. this will be his job all year, right? And this yeah. team, while it's still going to be near the bottom of the league, very much so. Uh, has has improved their lot in life from last year. Right? Yeah. They've added more pieces around him. I do think that yeah. we see all of these players take 
an incremental step forward in 2022. And the Texans want him to succeed, right? They got him last year as a third-round draft pick. If they can head into the 2023 draft, where not only the merit of their season should have them a very high draft pick, but the haul that they got from the Browns, who will be without Deshaun Watson for at least 11 games, should also net them another draft pick. If they can head into that situation and not have to address the quarterback position, as wow. a front office, they're going to be over the moon, right? I'll feel that way as a fan, right? So, yeah, um, I I think that, you know, I I don't think he's the next the next coming, right? We don't have Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers yeah. waiting in our wing, but I do yeah. think that he can be, you know, uh, an an average NFL quarterback, if not incrementally better, right? His tape at Stanford yeah. was pretty solid. Um, yeah. So if if he stays on the you know sort of the trajectory that he's on, I I think that he is one of the best kind of sneaky dynasty assets out there yeah me too i completely agree i was just on the the fantasy wildcard podcast there a few weeks ago and i said davis mills is my my flag plant buy in, in dynasty you know he's going off the board as quarterback 31 i mean put some respect on davis mills there are only 32 teams put some respect right. on davis mills's name right that's disgraceful so i think yeah i'm i'm on i'm on team mills with right with you eric so let's see if we can get our our final pick of the draft and i must say you know you were absolutely spot on this this inferno i don't again absolutely dry forehead not a bead of sweat he's <laughs> absolutely nailing it so far so we're heading into our, our final pick eric so what what are you thinking do you want to see all positions see who you got let's uh let's jump over to the flex spot there were a yep. couple of guys i was hoping would fall i know nico collins is still sitting there he is another player that i like a lot but I yeah. think the uh, the booze raining down on me as a Texans homer would just be a bit too loud if back I to back, if right? I Jordan if I and stump Collins. for yeah I stump for <laughs> Davis Mills and then I go I go Brevin Jordan and Nico <laughs> Collins I yeah. do think he is maybe the best value here um, but let's let's scroll down here um, see if the guy that I am looking at needs to be bumped off he he does not. Um, that guy is Velas Jones. Ooh. A little more, as well, by the way. A little more bear. That that that's uh, that's where I'm going. I I am going with Velas Jones. Uh, a little more Bears exposure than I would like without having Justin Fields on my team. But I do think that the sky is really the limit for Justin Fields. I don't think what we saw yeah. last year is representative of what he can be in the NFL level. I mean, there were games where he had 14 or less pass attempts several of them right so i do think we're going to see it open up a little bit i do think that he's going to need alternative receiving options in chicago and to my point earlier about kind of giving myself outs right if if the second receiving option that emerges out of chicago is not cole Komet, it is very likely velas jones so i feel good about kind of covering my basis with that pick as well nice let's get let's get velas jones locked in that's our, our final thing. Of course, Nico Collins goes right after that as well. And and Curtis Samuel, the, the, they are, the bots are always this thing, right? It's like when you talk about stuff and you get an ad for it on your, on your phone the next day, right? Um, so that wraps up our draft today, Eric. So let's have a little review of the roster and, and see what it's looking like. So you started off with pick one five. You got Lamar Jackson as your quarterback. You got your two starting running backs. Yeah, that might change, obviously, depending what week it is. You got Aaron Jones and, and CEH locked in as your running backs. Then you got 
I mean, look at this. You got Debo Samuel, Stefan Diggs, and Keenan Allen as your three wide receivers. Gotta absolutely love that. Cool Komet as your tight end. And the flex spots at the minute, you got Kareem Hunt and Damian Pierce with Tua as your super flex option. And then started to address that running back room. You got picked up Rashad Penny. You got some extra wide receivers. You got Robert Woods. You got Jalen Tolbert. Matt Ryan as quarterback three. Devontae Parker, Romeo Dubs, Brevin Jordan, and then rounding things off with Vilas Jones. How are you feeling about that team, Eric? I am feeling phenomenal about this team. Um, my heart is beating out of my chest with pride looking at my <laughs> wide receiver core. Um, yeah. You know, like I mentioned before, some variability in my running back room, but I think I've covered enough basis to where I should have at least RB2 or better productivity um, coming out of that second spot for the entirety of the year, right? The, yeah. the season sort of change and ebb and flow. So might be Rashad Penny while Damian Pierce is ramping up. Um, yeah. you know, might, might find Clyde Edwards Hilaire, you know, shoot out like a, like a cannonball from the get go. And I, yeah. I don't have to, to worry about it. And then the first couple of pieces off the bench, right? Um, Robert Woods is a guy that I am happy to play as my wide receiver three in almost any yeah. situation. Um, you know, Jalen Tolbert should have a role to play for at least the first quarter of the season could potentially grab more. Um, just real happy with, with how this played out. I feel like this is kind of a prime example of that three-year team, right? I think this team yeah. can very much so be competitive in the immediate term. And if a couple of things break in my favor, I should have a three-year one of of being at or near the top of this league. Yeah, absolutely agree. I think that strength and depth on the bench is, is what's really going to see through to the end because obviously the way the NFL works, guys are going to get injured, guys are going to miss time and having that strength and depth from your bench is really, really, really going to help. So, Eric, I just want to say it one more time, man. Thank you so much for, for coming on to the show. I've had an absolute blast having you on. Great hints and tips. Absolutely smashed it with the team. And, yeah, just want to say thank you so much once again for, for coming on. Matt, happy to be here. Glad, glad we can make this happen. Appreciate you warming things up a little bit in my natural habitat. Yes, exactly. And you know what? Just before we go, guys, let's not forget, Eric is absolutely wanting to get on here. He wants to overtake Kev, the dynasty goal to the three. Smash, could he smash, even smash. get up to, click, click, click. Could he even get up to where Jay Stein is? Or could he overthrow the king, Murph, who's been up there for, what, like three months now, Murph has been up at the top. They're Ooh. unstoppable force. So, so Eric's coming for, for that title in the Hall of Flame. Easy to do. If you're on YouTube, hit that like button. Hey, why not hit that subscribe button? We're pushing up subscribers as well, so so why not do that? And Eric, just before you go, you want to just tell everyone where they can find you online again just before you head off? Yeah, you mentioned at the top, I'm kind of all over the place. Easiest way to find all of it, at Fantasy Nav on Twitter. One more shameless plug, we are actively raising money for dozens of charities through the 1st of September. Pros with Joes on Twitter, proswithjoes.com. Awesome. Get over there. Check it out. Eric, absolute pleasure. People listening, thanks once again for tuning in. And even though we're cooling off again for a little while, just remember, keep yourselves and your teams lit. Till next time. See you later.